The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link alongside James Anderson, Rotowire.com's lead prospect writer. James, this is the final regularly regularly scheduled prospect podcast of the year. What a crazy year it's been. And I was looking on our host service, and this is now six years in the books of the Prospects Prospect Podcast. Can you believe it's been six years we've been doing this? No man, that's that's wild. That's that's longer than I would have thought it would have been. But yeah, twenty fifteen is when we started. I was curious, so I looked up when our first shows were. Yeah, twenty early twenty fifteen. Going strong. Yeah, it's, I mean it's only once a week this particular show, but it's still an accomplishment. I think we've put out some good stuff. You primarily put out some really good stuff. Uh, what do you have in mind for the pod today, James? Uh. I was thinking about topics, and usually Wednesday morning I'll try to come up with something. Um, have not really 
had time to be pumping out articles each week in September. Uh, been doing some other stuff uh, with the baseball coverage, more kind of day to day stuff. Uh, but I've been sort of thinking uh, over the past couple weeks that probably one of my go to strategies in 2021 drafts is going to be to just kind of ignore bad seasons on certain players and take them at the discount they're going to go at next year mm-hmm. and kind of fade the guys who are coming off uh, surprisingly great years in 2020. And so I put together a list of, you know, I mean, it's easy to necessarily be not necessarily be in on older guys who are coming off bad years. Um, but with the younger guys, guys that are, theoretically in their prime or even pre-prime. I put together a list of 12 of those guys on the hitting side who were going in the top 250 of main event drafts and who have returned a dollar or less in earned auction dollars, uh, according to the Roadwire earned values uh, tool. And so I put that list together and I figured we could just go down that list of 12 guys and say, sort of give our guess as to where they'll be going in drafts next year and whether or not we will be in or out at that discounted price i like that because yeah i i'm ready to gear up for next year already we talked about the magazine process and i'm looking forward to getting that ball rolling and just turning an eye to next year i am hanging around in a few leagues but not a great year overall and really just hard to know what to make of what we've seen this year for a lot of guys and this list is you know, these are some pretty big names on this list. Austin Meadows, and we'll get to the rest. But, uh, you know, I don't want to completely write these guys off. And some of these guys, you know, Meadows included on the COVID IL. So, you know, it's it's just hard to know the long-term repercussions of that. Yeah, and I, I tried to only include guys who have played enough for it to be kind of, you know, like I, I didn't include – Jordan Alvarez. Um, yeah, like a substantial played. sample. Right. Yeah, so like, I included Gavin Lux, I included Austin Meadows, even though those guys weren't around for a chunk of the season. Um, but just, you know, got, we always see this in drafts every year where, where uh, fantasy managers oftentimes will pay for last year's stats. Uh, and that's obviously not a good strategy but it's just kind of human nature to sort of uh, assume that what happened last year will carry over the following season and so i assume that of this list of 12 guys at least a handful will be big time um values on draft day and it's just kind of figuring out which those exact guys will be absolutely well before we get into that i do just want to say uh, because the Reds are playing the Brewers and a lot is on the line. Like this is pretty exciting. This is this may be the Reds' biggest game since like 2012 tonight. Uh, Brewers right in the mix too. But if the Reds win tonight, they get the tiebreaker, head to head tiebreaker with the Brewers. So th- this is a big one. Trevor Bauer going on short rest. How are you feeling about the crew as a fan? Uh, I think that they have a chance to maybe do a little damage if they get in uh, with having that. Uh, Woodruff Burns top of the rotation, and then the uh, Hater Williams back of the bullpen. Um, you know, I I'm not going to say that I think they could even go to the World Series, but I think they could make a little bit of noise. Um, I mean, we, there's a chance that 
both of our teams could get in, which yeah. would be nice. Thanks That'd to the great. Phillies. I mean, the Phillies yeah. are really doing uh, the Lord's work over there. Yeah, they're really making things, you know, great as far as the the postseason outlook right now. We'll see how these final four days go, but it's pretty exciting. It's a pretty exciting time. I, I don't want the expanded postseason in future years, but this is at least fun to have meaningful baseball for the Reds in the final month of September. And, you know, Bauer on short rest, if he could maybe go again. Well, Sonny looked pretty good last night, but um, if he could maybe go again Sunday, maybe they do a little piggyback situation, Get maybe get in. Luis Castillo's been on a roll, but uh, his changeup versus Devin Williams, like those guys are just silly. I, watching last night, the Reds had no chance to touch him or Hater, so... Um, gonna have to get to him before that, before that eighth inning tonight. All right, James. So let's get into it. Number one on your list here: zero dollars earned so far this season. Alex Bregman, ADP at twenty. That's a pick that's going to just cripple your fantasy season, frankly, in this shortened year. Um, looking at the the plate skills. I remember in our outlook, 80-grade plate skills, obviously that's what he's had, but there was the uncertainty regarding you know how much was he benefiting from their cheating system, and there has been a major dip in production. He's been hurt. Uh, where do you think he falls in terms of ADP, Alex Bregman, next year? So I think that were it not for the cheating scandal, I think that everyone would just kind of say, obviously Alex Bregman's going to rebound. You know, it's not like his strikeout rate is, you know, he, he still has those elite plate skills. And um, so I think without the cheating scandal, I think everyone would just be kind of like, oh, obvious rebound guy. But I do think uh, there are a percentage of fantasy managers who, like I, I know Ian Kahn is, is kind of out on, uh, most of the Astros, uh, especially the ones that have been there for a few years and they're, are seeing these big declines. So there, there will be a, a percentage of, of fantasy managers or who I think are going to believe, uh, right or wrong, that Bregman was benefiting substantially from that, that cheating uh, setup that they had. Um, so I, I think he will fall out of the first two rounds in 15-team leagues. I think you're probably going to have to take him maybe late third round if you want him in uh, in a main event draft. And I think I'm going to be okay with that price tag. I, I could see myself having some Bregman next year. Uh, he's just, you know, the, the pedigree's there. I mean, he's 26 years old. I, I just, I, I have a hard time believing that it was it was all um the cheating you know that that 41 homers he hit in 2019 i think that's going to be an outlier going forward I, I don't think he ever gets really close to that number again but i could buy 30 plus homers from him and, and he'll be hitting in a nice spot and a good lineup uh, i think the batting average gets back up over 280 next year um so you know late third early fourth if he's going there, I think I, I might take that dive, depending on roster construction. But um, I think that the the cheating scandal might provide a bit of a buying opportunity with him, because if it weren't for that, I still think it, he might be going 
late second, early third. Interesting. Yeah, he's a tough guy to figure out, Alex Bregman. He has a 119 WRC plus through 37 games, so he's been well above league average with the bat, even with the production lagging behind. Uh, K rate and walk rate identical, and I saw on StatCast, he actually has a 270 XBA, which is two points lower than his mark from last year. Kind of crazy, the, the difference. But I, I also noticed, and I didn't realize this, his barrel rate was only 4.8% last year. This year, 3.5%, uh, only four barrels on 113 batted ball events. That's a little scary. I mean, obviously the K rate's going to be good, and when you put the ball in play that much, you're going to hit for a decent average over a big enough sample. But I... I'm starting to think maybe maybe late third, early fourth is a little too rich, even as a guy who had Bregman, you know, just outside the first round this year. Yeah, I mean that's fair. Like he he's not gonna he's not gonna chip in on the bases really. Uh maybe gets you four or five steals over a full season. So you do need you do need the other four categories to be uh I mean, batting average might not be a huge plus. He's never hit over 300, but you do need the home runs, the runs, the RBI, specifically the runs and the RBI need to be pretty elite for him to go there. Um, but I, I'm i putting him in the camp of this presents a buying opportunity next year. I mean, there will be other guys on this list where I won't necessarily say that about, but with, with Bregman, I think uh, there will be enough people kind of on your side of the coin where you know, if he starts getting into like mid fourth round, late fourth round, then I'll be all over him. Mm-hmm. Um, late third is, you know, we'll, we'll see how things look uh, with the rest of, uh, of ADP and stuff. Maybe you got to take a starting pitcher there, but I do think Bregman is is definitely going to bounce back to some extent. Now, it, it definitely matters to what extent, but I do think he will have better days ahead. Yeah, I think you're right that he's kind of a clear guy who, you know, you can definitely extract some value from next year because I do think a lot of people have soured just with the narrative around the team and on the production this year and the cost. I think when somebody's burned to that extent in fantasy, when you're you pay up and you get what Alex Bregman has given you this year, uh, people hold a grudge. I'm guilty of it. And maybe that will, you know, that just that recency bias and people being burned this year, I think maybe will factor into the cost. I, I almost see some people wanting his teammate Kyle Tucker over him, quite honestly. Oh, yeah, you'll, you'll definitely steals. hear that take. Yeah. yeah, for sure. What about Glaber Torres? Disappointing year for Glaber. He's been hurt a little bit as well, too. Uh, Yankees have been rolling without him and some of their other top sluggers, but – uh, Glaber, I actually feel pretty good about. I think he'll probably be even cheaper than Bregman. Hmm. You know, I I think I feel better about Bregman actually, uh, and I I'm not sure you're right about the price tag because hmm. I think well. So with Glaber, I just thought I thought he was going too high all during draft season anyway, and I think. I seriously believe in the Yankee tax on these guys. True, I just yeah. think there there is enough of a percentage of guys that play in the main event who are Yankee fans, Yankee followers, that it does actually make a difference. And man, I 
I think that I think that 38 homers from 2019 is just a is it's going to end up being a pretty big outlier with him. Yeah, that's um, a high number, 38. He, yeah, 24 the year before in 123 games. Yeah. Um, now he he like almost doubled his walk rate, which is impressive, and that's that's really what's saving his WRC plus. He's he's slugging 402, but he's got a 120 WRC plus with that 14 percent walk rate. Uh, but I mean, he's never been a guy who really did all that well on Statcast. Uh, the barrel rate fell in half this year. I mean, I think that rebounds uh, to some extent, but. Um, you know, I mean, are you? Would you take Torres over Bregman next year? Uh, I don't think so. No, I think maybe if I can get Glaber like a couple rounds later. Uh, mm-hmm. But maybe you're right that that's you know. I think. Unrealistic. I, yeah, I, I think he will go after Bregman, um, yeah. but I just don't think he'll go far enough after Bregman. Like I think Glaber will probably be. I think his ADP. So his ADP this year was 31. I think his ADP next year will be like. 48 uh something like that 50 and i can't quite get there on him with that because you know he might give you zero steals um or at least closer to zero than i think bregman will and um yeah i don't i mean he's never really shown that same type of type of juice in the batting average or runs in RBI categories. Um, and that's just, you know, shortstop, a shortstop is not going to give you speed. That's, that's tough for me, uh, in the first four or five rounds. So yeah, that's a I, stacked position, obviously. And you make a lot of good points in the sixth. I would probably, you know, sixth, I'd probably take the dive. Sure. But it's, yeah, I get it. You know, that's what's going to be so hard is there's so many things that, you know, everybody will see the same issues with every player. But as you said at the top of the show, like, this is, these players have been around, they have track records, and one little sample in a weird, fluky year with, you know, little ramp up time, a little live pitching to actually see before games got started. Um, yeah, it's just you have to weight it properly in your evaluation for next year. Victor Robles, a guy I was way off on, uh, $0 earned. Ugh, you know, I was a Robles defender against the stack cast numbers, you know, because I felt like it was too easy to write him off because of that. And young guy, you got to factor in some skill development. But it has not been pretty at all for Victor Robles. Well, I don't think you would have been that wrong on him if he had just done the exact same, like from a stack ass standpoint, if, if he was the exact same guy he was in 2019, the problem is he actually yeah. got worse, God, you know, worse. like, he, like, uh, and the big one to me with Robles is his sprint speed last year was in the 95th percentile. And this year it's in the 83rd percentile. So he he really he went from a a plus plus speed guy a guy that you could and I know I mean I know this was your your logic was like you're getting a guy that's going to probably steal like 28 bases over a full season, um, you know you went from getting a guy that could could flirt with 30 plus steals to a guy where I don't even I mean is he going to steal 20 bases next year? Um, might have to project him for 
15 to 18 steals. Uh, I don't know what the, what the uh, data says about guys improving their sprint speed after a decline that substantial. Um, you know, maybe, you know, with the COVID issue, maybe it was just a thing where he, he couldn't stay in as good a shape during the, the quarantine. Uh, I don't know exactly what it was, but that's, that's a really stark decline in speed for a 23 year old. So that, that's the concerning thing there for me is I just don't know if that, that 30 steel upside is there anymore with him. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't, didn't realize that his sprint speed had declined that much. 20. 9.3 feet per second to 28.1. He still ranks in the 83rd percentile in the league in sprint speed, but that is that is fairly troubling. In a lot you of infield hits last stud year. There, yeah, yeah. Right? Like you, you need him to be sort of Montessi light because of you know you know he's not going to give you much else. So yeah. it's it's a big deal with a guy like that. It's not as big a deal if it's a guy that's you know goes from being a 15 steel guy to a 10 steel guy, but a 30 steel guy to a 18 steel guy, 20 steel guy. That that is big difference. Yeah, you're right. And look, he hasn't improved at all at the plate. He's taken a step back, as you said. And uh, we talked about Alex Bregman, Glaber. They each have four barrels this year. Victor Robles has two. 1.7% barrel rate. 82.2 mile per hour average exit velocity. Uh, He's in the sets. That's good enough for the first percentile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. I so yeah, I didn't want to just have that narrative and like box the guy in because of his Statcast numbers after you know one year when he was actually productive despite those numbers. But now it's pretty clear that the quality of the connections is just lacking. So where does he go? I mean, I I don't think I don't think either of us are worried about him losing his playing time next year i mean he's still a a good defender um and he's still young enough that the nationals i mean the nationals you know he was a a no doubt top 10 prospect i don't think they're going to give up on a guy like that um after his age 23 season so i think the playing time should be there at least over the first couple months Uh, so where do you think he goes i'm thinking because there's always going to be somebody who needs to make up ground in that category. That was kind of my logic this year. Uh, I'm going to say around 110. You, you know, think? I was thinking he goes uh, around. And now this, we're talking main event. So obviously, if you're in a points league or yeah, just cross a home, off your a home league or something like that, just don't. I mean, you don't have to worry about it. Um, but. I, I kind of think he goes in that sort of, you know, a couple guys we're going to get to in a second. Uh, Matt Rosario, Oscar Mercado were going in the 130s. Mm-hmm. And those guys were just basically going there because they were sort of your, you miss out on your first handful of targets on stolen bases and then you just grab yes. those guys. I think that's kind of where Robles goes next year, where no one's really excited to take him, but at a certain point, just the steals. Uh, prevent him from falling outside the top 150, I would imagine. I, I don't think he goes quite as high as, as you said, but in main event drafts, I mean, who, who knows? I mean, sometimes you get, get closer and closer to the start of the season, those guys get pushed up. Yeah, what a crazy bad year for Ahmed Rosario. We'll talk about him in a little bit, but 
I just want to basically avoid those types this year, and that's not you know saying anything earth shattering, but you know you you see the clear deficiencies in a guy like Malik Smith, but for me, you know you can kind of dream on a guy like Robles who didn't pan out this year, and I just think generally I don't want any of these guys who I know aren't like high caliber hitters, but I just feel like they're well they're going to steal. I just want to avoid that altogether and just build that base pick after pick after pick early on and uh, not be reliant on a guy like that. Or Mondesi even. I I know he's stealing a bunch of bags and he's been coming around a little bit, but I just don't want to pay the tax for a guy who isn't, you know, he doesn't fit in that range of hitters as a quali- caliber bat. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I got to get to this read real quick before we move on. Friends over at Prop Swap, the smart sports better knows where to find the best odds before placing a bet. That's why we always use Prop Swap. Take for example a Fernando Tatis to win NL MVP ticket that sold on Prop Swap. The ticket sold at eight to one odds. That's right, eight to one. Every local casino has odds of just three to one for the same wager. It's obvious Prop Swap customers always find the best odds because you're buying directly from other betters like yourself. Come join us. Prop Swap is the edge you've been searching for. Don't delay. Go to PropSwap.com today. Smart Sports Better knows where to find the best odds before placing a bet. James, what about Austin Meadows? Uh, A negative earner so far. And, and again, a COVID case. And I do kind of feel for him and Mankata. I mean, not kind of. I definitely do. And just what it's done to their energy. It's seemingly sapped them. Do you see yourself being in on Meadows next year? Um, well, first let's let's uh, let's talk about where we think he'll be going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the I'm willing to give him a, a largely a pass on you know the strikeout rate going going up by ten percent. That's that's a little nuts. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely think he was uh, affected to some extent um, by that uh, by getting that virus. But um, one thing I'm worried about with him is that I, I I just don't think you can expect him to start against lefties uh, a ton, just given their other options. I mean, they, they have Manny Margot, they have Randy Arozarena, they have Hunter Renfro those guys are all better against lefties than Meadows is. So I just, you know, he will get some starts, but I, I do think you're drafting a guy who's probably going to sit 20% of the time. Um, we probably saw his career high with the 12 steals in 2019. I don't think he gets back there. Um, you know, sprint speed was 37 percentile this year. So um, who knows how much that was, uh, COVID related and how much wasn't, but I think he probably goes outside of the top 50. Um, do you think he goes outside of the top 75? I was thinking like around after Glaber. That was my first, first thought. Um, so I guess that'd be around, yeah, like maybe 75. Um, you know, I just, I, I want to be in on Meadows next year. And actually StackCast has his hard hit rate up this year. But one thing that you mentioned there, the platoon possibilities, Randy Rosarena's emergence has been huge. And just avoiding platoon bats, I mean, drafting a platoon bat that high, 
Right. Um, it, it's 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 not the end of the world if you get a a really good platoon guy. Yeah, if you're getting like Kyle Schwarber like at like one twenty or something. Yeah. Well, I do. Well, <laughs> that didn't work out well this year, but um, yeah, if you're yeah. getting if you're getting normal Kyle Schwarber. Um, In that's theory, fine. it was all right. I think that the there's enough going against him where if he's still going well inside the top 100 meadows, um, it's just not a, it's not a good roster building piece, right? Like if he's, if he's only playing 80% of the time that puts a cap on your runs plus RBI. And if like, how many steals would you project him for next year? He stole two this year. Um, as I said, the, the sprint speeds way down, um, still 12, on 19 attempts in 2019. I mean, yeah, if, like if I'm predicting it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely single digits. Yeah. So you're you're taking a platoon guy with without double digits steel speed inside the top 100. That's and an and an outfield too, which is a, a position I usually like to pepper in the late rounds. Um. I like him to bounce back. I just don't know if him bouncing back versus where the price tag I expect to land. I just don't know if it makes for a good buying opportunity with him, but it's all dependent on the ADP because I do, I do think he will uh, really bounce back as a hitter. It's just a a matter of where the plate appearances lie and and where the stolen bases lie. I still really like Meadows as a, as a player and think the future is bright. Still only 25 years old. It'll be 26 early next year, but yeah, you know, on a few teams, I've had to just sit and watch myself fall behind in, in categories because I just have some platoon bats, and when they're not starting, you just cannot make gra- make up ground in those categories. It's so frustrating. So I do want to avoid platoon bats as much as I can. Obviously, you're you know, the back of your roster, you're going to have a few of those guys, but um, yeah, paying that kind of price for a platoon guy. Maybe he's not a strict platoon guy. He wasn't in 2019, but uh, yeah, the emergence of Rosarena and Margot's been good too, and Renfro you mentioned. So, and Meadows isn't a good defender. That's mm. that's something that's going to come up with a few of these guys. Is like it'd be one thing if he was a a stud defender, then you could justify starting him against a bunch of lefties. But all those other guys I mentioned are not only better at hitting lefties, but they're better defenders than Meadows. That's really interesting. I'm looking up uh, real quick. What what did Meadows bat against same handed pitching? Yeah, 275. Not a ton of pop against lefties. Uh, 837 OPS. I mean, pretty good against lefties in 2019. But yeah, I don't think you can this, bet on everyday playing time. This year, 36.6% strikeout rate against lefties. So. Um. Not great. Hopefully he's feeling better after, you know, just feeling rejuvenated a little bit Uh, because I do think he just hasn't been right. I mean, that kind of drop off, that kind of jump in K rate, uh, Mm -hmm. that just doesn't happen for a kid that young if they're not dealing with something. Gary Sanchez is really interesting because I've been out on Sanchez for a couple years now, just the, the low batting average, the... High cost. Now I'm thinking maybe next year everybody's going to be so off Gary Sanchez that maybe time to dip back in, uh, and maybe it's kind of a reverse Yankees thing where all these Yankees fans hate him and don't have anything to do with it. Uh, let the price fall a little bit. So uh, 103. I'm thinking 
2x that next year outside the top 200. Interesting. Um, you know, I don't know if he will fall quite that far. Uh, and I guess in 15 I, I, team two catcher, maybe not, but I do like, I do like buying, um, when a guy that's like out of shape or just kind of looks out of shape, um, and kind of has that sort of laissez-faire, uh, type of attitude when they're, when they come off a, a just a dreadful year like this, I typically expect them to, to have a good off season and, and put the work in during the off season to, mm-hmm. to bounce back. Um, whereas sometimes where they, when they're coming off a, a career year, kind of like, uh, like Raphael Devers in 2019, that type of thing, I sort of expect them to not put the work in, in the off season. Um, so I, I do think Sanchez will, I mean, he can't be worse than he was this year from a batting average standpoint. Uh, and the strikeout rate, like with Meadows, just kind of um, unnaturally uh, high for him this year. So it, it will probably come down to ADP. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I could. He still has that that power that can really carry a, at that position. So yeah, if he's if he's going outside the top one sixty ish, one one seventy, I could see dipping in there. Um, but I really, I, I have no clue where his ADP is going to lie. Yeah. He's a really hard guy to figure out. The batting average has, has pretty much always been bad, but just a new level this year. And then basically benching him for a while and basically now alternating starts with Higashioka and yeah, it doesn't seem like the team's necessarily all the way behind him, but, um, I do think maybe if. Maybe next year if the price falls enough, maybe I could see myself dabbling there. I don't like to pay up at catcher, so you know in that range like one fifty to two fifty. That's, well, when, I'll, that's yeah. when I'll start considering. Yeah, yeah, you know, fading a guy like Real Muto is a great idea this year. You're gonna that that's gonna be something that you just hear all off season is people saying if you don't get Real Muto, then go go dirt cheap at catcher. That's yeah. what everyone's gonna say because of what happened this year. Where every catcher basically that you paid anything for besides Real Muto didn't meet, uh, didn't return value. And, uh, like not even close. I tend to, I, I tend to agree with that, uh, philosophy and I'm kicking myself because in, in, uh, one main event I did with Todd Whitestone, we ended up with Sanchez just cause we were like, Oh, this is pretty good value. And then in another one, we ended up with Mitch Garver. Who we're going to talk about in a second. Mm-hmm. And we're like, Oh, this is pretty good value. And it's just, normally I just would not even think about a catcher there. And you're just kind of like, Oh, this guy, why is he still there? And you take mm-hmm. him and then it's like, Oh, you're the sucker. Just like when you and I took Eduardo Escobar. Yeah, exactly. That, that pick has really hurt us this year. And, you know, I haven't had success with my catchers in the mid and end game either. You know, Narvaya has, has been uh, just brutal. And, like, Austin Romine, you know, catcher's a hard spot to figure out. I was going to say Josh Bell is, you know, coming around because when he was when the Pirates were in Cincinnati last week, he was starting to hit a little bit. But then I just checked the game log. Ofer, Ofer, Ofer. He's actually Ofer's last 22 now. Uh, Josh Bell down to 221, 296, 354. He had that bad second half 
and it's carried over. You know, it's it's been ugly for him, and we've talked about how he's not like necessarily a great real life player. And I do start to wonder about his future, not only with that team, but just you know as a regular, you know, a lineup regular in baseball. So I do not think he will be on the Pirates next year, and I think. I think it's possible he might get non-tendered because wow. he's entering he's entering uh, I think his second year of arbitration. Um, he made almost five million in arbitration last year, so you, you usually don't get a, a pay cut in arbitration. So I would expect him to make around five million if he if he goes that if it goes that way this off season. And I just don't see that. I don't really see any big league team being willing to pay Josh Bell $5 million for next year. So I, I think they'll try to trade him. They'll try to get off of him, get really anything. Like if, if they can get just some rookie level pitching prospect they like from someone, I think that they'll try to go that route. But I, I could see Josh Bell getting non-tendered this offseason. That's pretty crazy. Much higher price tag, but I could see that with Chris Bryant too. What do you think? Do you think we see Bryant non-tender? Um, so he would be entering the last, last his year. last year. Yeah. And I think he made like eighteen plus million this year. Oh yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. All that I mean, bandied about on Twitter. I could definitely see that. Yeah. Kind of a justifiable move, frankly. Oh yeah. Well, they you could have traded him. They right. they didn't do it. Yeah, you can't uh, can't really pay him what it's what it would cost if it gets to arbitration. Um, you could maybe, I mean, maybe the two sides. I don't know how good that relationship is anymore. I mean, I know that it was pretty bad there. I don't know if it's gotten any better, but um, yeah, maybe they could come up with some. They might be able to come up with some sort of. Um like two or three year extension for like 10 mil a year or something like that, where they would be saving on the 2021, but they'd be giving Bryant a little security Hmm. if they think that this is just a, a outlier season. But if they think that any of this is real, then I think they would probably just cut bait. Yeah. That's a hefty price tag through arbitration for, for Bryant next year. And how ironic would that be if the move did happen and then after they played those service time games, spoiled the relationship. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and then in the end, they didn't even want that extra year. That'd be crazy. That's an awesome point. Uh, Ahmed Rosario, just mentioned him in passing earlier. Ugh, it's been bad. And he's been kind of usurped, right? Uh, I guess Andres Jimenez, not necessarily the everyday starter. And I think uh, Med Rosario has maybe started the past couple games, but it's it's been a fall from grace for him, and uh, doesn't seem like the team really it doesn't seem like the team has much faith. I guess. Yeah, this is this is one where I think a change of scenery would be be pretty good for for both sides. Yeah, get um, Rosario the Reds. <laughs> I like that idea. I mean, Jose Garcia long term maybe, but. Yeah, He's get, not him, the answer get him to the red. Well, if you know Rosario is a guy where if I feel good, a lot can happen between now and draft season. But if I'm feeling good about the playing time with him, I think he's someone I might get back in on. 
just, you know, it's, it's been bad. It's, it's been so bad that I just, I think the price is going to be so cheap. Um, and his, his sprint speed has not declined notably, but his stolen, he's attempted like one steal this year and I think he was unsuccessful. Like the whole point of why you draft a Rosario in the top 150 is to get double digit steals in a normal season. And he did not hold up that part of the bargain at all. At least you got some steals from Victor Robles, but um, you didn't get any from Rosario. And so I think that aspect of things is really going to scare people off. But like I said, it's not like he's notably slower. So I think he could bounce back and get you 15 steals next year if the playing time's there. So if if he's going, I could see him going outside of the top 250. And if that's happening and it looks like he might have a shot at everyday playing time, I think I would probably get back in on him if, if he is uh, going outside the top 250. I think I'd need to change the scenery for that to happen. And I'd need a pretty good assurance that he'd be playing close to every day. Um, because, yeah, on this team, I just feel like they're going to have him on a short leash and rotate some other options in there. It's It's been weird to see. And same with Oscar Mercado. You and I took him in the main events. So, and just these guys, I'm just out on. I know it sounds easy, and you're going to get to a point in the draft where you want to take a guy like this. Uh, but I'm I'm hard out on Mercado. Yeah, he's he's a, a rare guy on this list where I'm I'm just totally out. And Sammy, I just yeah, I think he's the part, only one where I, I just feel confident saying nah. Part of it is, I mean, I, a big part of it obviously is just that he was so bad this year, and the and Cleveland was so quick to pull the plug on him. I mean, like he's been regularly benched in favor of Delano De Shields here down the stretch. An option I just for, had, was he option for a while? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was sent down. Yeah. Um, I mean, they pulled that plug real quick, yeah. and I I just have no faith in the playing time being there with him. And unlike Rosario, like Rosario has been like he was a quality big league player in 2019, and he's a guy with big time pedigree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just feel better about him returning to a uh, palatable level. I mean, Rosario is still not even 25 years old. He was almost worth three wins last year. So I just, I, I feel more confident in him bouncing back. Whereas Mercado last year was a huge surprise and clearly an outlier. I think, I think you can say that pretty confidently. So there might not be anything realistic to bounce back to with him. Yeah, it's, it's true, man. I mean, caught lightning in a bottle last year with Mercado, but um, definitely a, a pick that's busted at what one thirty four ADP. And, and we didn't even want him. Like, it's not like it's not like we went into the draft like, oh, Mercado, let's get him. But we just but it you was, always find yourself in that point with speed. But right. you have to yeah, just we were just like, who are we going to take? Level headed about, yeah. Um, and it hasn't worked it's a, out. A big, it's a big bummer that we didn't end up with Tim Anderson because you and I both loved him there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was partially the Tatis pick where we were just like, well, do we want to take another shortstop in the top 75? Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, we, in, in hindsight, we definitely should have gotten that right. Yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty, and 
everything looks so clear in hindsight, but at the time it made sense. Anyway, Mitch Garver, yikes. Do you have any idea what happened with Mitch Garver? I mean, he's been a big sinkhole for fantasy players. Yes, he like has. actively hurting. Actively right. hurting. <laughs> so he uh, obviously went on the shelf with the intercostal strain. And I just wonder whether that was bothering him before he went on the shelf. It just it it just seems really kind of fluky that he would be this bad. Thirty four uh, WRC plus. Forty four percent strikeout rate. Um going from so one fifty five WRC plus to thirty four. Uh, my even in a short season, the, you don't see swings like that normally. My prediction with the Twins next year is that Garver and Ryan Jeffers are going to enter the year in kind of a, a split. Hmm. And I actually think I would be mildly interested in both of them, even if they're just playing 50% of the time, because I think both of them have enough power to, to get you 15-plus homers, even as, as uh, part-time guys. Um, but it's just a question of where the, the ADP on those guys is, because the whole point of dipping into that would be, oh, they're going basically free. Um, you yeah, know, you have to be you, like Kurt Suzuki, or you know, right, right. Um, <laughs> One of those guys who's sharing so, the role but can hit. So if if Garver, if people are just like, oh well, he's a classic rebound candidate, I'm still going to pay a top. I don't know. Top 200 is probably a stretch, but maybe could you see Garver going top 250? Yeah, I could see that. I'm thinking like 200 to 250 range. Mm-hmm. Just be, that's know, that when might... people start thinking, man, I got a good catcher. Well, who goes higher next year out of Mitch Garver and Sean Murphy? Mm, I'm going to say Murphy. Mm-hmm. I know he's been crushing it in terms of like hard hit rate and everything. And I do see him as the primary option where, yeah, maybe Garver's not. Plus, there were, you know, in, in 2019, they wanted to, to limit him and only 93 games in 2019, 21 this year. I, I don't think they want to cut him loose for, you know, regular catching duties. It's so, this is kind of the same thing where we were talking about Gary Sanchez. It's just so tough to pull the trigger on any catcher inside the top. Like two seventy five. I'm like, well, if, you know, if Garver's going late enough, I, I will definitely be in on him. Um, I, I think he's closer to the player he was in 2019 than he is the player he's been in this tiny sample this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it's if you got to take him around pick 200, I'm probably not going to be in just because of the quality uh, options you can get there at, at other positions, but. You know, if he's going like 225, 250, I could see getting back in on Garver. Yeah, I don't give much of a scarcity bump at that position. I know that you, you should, and, you know, it's understandable. I think everybody does to an extent, but I, I think I put less of one just because there's so many, you know, nicks and bruises behind the plate doing that. It's a hard job. And, um, quick, yeah. quick aside on that, I, I had someone ask me, um, on Twitter recently, just kind of about, you know, only ranking so few catchers and, and stuff like that and, and dynasty rankings and stuff like that. 
I mean, you really, you cannot predict from year to year who half of the top 10 fantasy catchers are yeah. going to be. That, that's, that's, the thing that, that's the thing that makes it so different from any other position is, you know, like Austin Nola, uh, Kinner Falefa, Pedro yeah. Severino, James McCann, Martin Maldonado. Those guys were all basically free mm-hmm. in drafts. I know, I know Kinner Falefa was generating some buzz um, with his summer camp and everything. But when, when you have just that, amount, that percentage of guys that go basically endgame or undrafted finishing in the top 10 or top 12 at the position – it just really doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, it's kind of it's kind of like defense in fantasy football. Like you you can't really pay up for those guys that were great last year because there's always so much turnover there. Yeah, that's a good comp. I like that. It's yeah, it's so hard to predict year to year, and yeah, I think passing on some really talented hitters more of a sure thing just to get that position locked up and you, you know, the perceived well, like, I, scarcity bump that you I get those stats in the two main events where Todd and I ended up with Gary Sanchez and Mitch Garver I can almost guarantee you that Max Freed was on the board uh, with both those picks and like I like Max Freed you yeah, know? I know. And so it's just why am I passing on this guy for a catcher it's just yeah we talk so. ourselves into some questionable things every year <clears throat> not just in fantasy um, this is the second guy I've come upon that I'm hard out on. Mercado was the first. Yeah, David Dahl is the second. Yep. I just, I mean, hurt constantly. Well, you and I have been hard out on him for a few years. Yeah. Um, so we, we don't even have to spend much time on him. But yeah, yeah the I, track record is just there. Not yeah, there, I guess. No, I mean, not only is he overrated from a skill standpoint, uh, but he's always missing time with injuries and he's on the Rockies where they're just, there's still, there's less clarity on that outfield situation than ever before. Um, so yeah, I, I have no idea where Dahl's ADP is going to be, but I would, if, if you're trying to talk yourself into him being a big time bounce back guy, he needs to be going outside of the top 300 for me to, to start sniffing around there. Yeah, I was just wondering about his contract status right now. Uh, Arb eligible, so yeah, he'll be around there for a while. But and he's a guy that I could see, you know, maybe being non-tendered before he's a free agent in twenty twenty-four. Mm-hmm. Just when the guy's hurt like this, it's just hard to keep him around. You know, the best ability is availability, as some people say, and you know, Dull just hasn't been there on the field and really struggling when when on the field this year. So, yeah, I think even if he's going like 250 uh, among that glut of outfielders, I just I think there will be another guy I want more and that I trust more, feel better about with more upside. Uh, Brian Reynolds, I liked him, but he's been a big disappointment, not hitting for average or for anything else really. So, you know, I could see him bouncing back, and I'd I'd actually take him over Dahl straight up, but – I was wrong. I, I, I missed the boat on Brian Reynolds. Uh, you, you mean you like had him? I don't have him on a ton of leagues, but I did have him ranked, you know, probably 150-ish. Hmm. Well, if you if you just look at his batting averages uh, at every level, 
up over 300 for the most part up over 312 yeah. at every level and then he hits 178 this year yeah. um to me yeah, he he's, hit over 300 a, literally at every level before this year he's he's a pretty easy buy next year and i think he's gonna go real cheap uh he's actually kind of the opposite of um of robles reynolds actually got faster this year and i think he i think he improved his barrel rate yeah, yeah his barrel, barrel rate's rate. almost three percentage points yeah so i mean he's He's got a 85 percentile sprint speed this year, which is actually better than Victor Robles, wow. and he was 76 percentile last year. So I'm, I, I can already tell you, I'm going to have a lot of Reynolds because I think he's just, you know, it's, it's not a sexy name. He never had a ton of prospect hype. I just think people are going to look Playing at what he did. A bad this. team, yeah, right. And but I think the bad team part helps him because yeah. I don't. I don't see anyone there that's really going to push him. Now, if he if he's this bad again through the first couple months next year, sure, he'll, he'll start losing playing time. But I, I think he's a guy you could probably get around pick 300 next year. And if that's the case, I, I'm going to be all in. Yeah, I like that a lot because, yeah, the track record of hitting for not just like an, a good average, but a really excellent average uh, throughout the minor leagues is there and playing time should be there. By the way, Jared Oliva – Got the call, uh, you know, a little bit of an aside, but uh, I know you kind of liked Oliva for the speed and, you know, not necessarily over this final week, but do you think he's a guy who's maybe like, you know, drafted in, in leagues, a top 300-ish type of player next year? Um, yeah, I think so, just because of the speed. I mean, mm. I think he'll... Um, I think you expect him in like the mains to be drafted. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll get some clarity on where his roster status is going to stand in spring training. Mm -hmm. He could definitely, I mean, he's going to have to win a spot in spring training because I think short of that, I don't see why they wouldn't send him down to get that extra year control. So I would be interested in drafting him if it looks like he's going to break camp, but I don't see the you know i think there is upside obviously with the stolen bases with oliva but the floor is also pretty low and if if we might have to wait three or four weeks for him i don't really see myself doing that in a 15 teamer but yeah um, for a month would be a tough sell definitely got to keep an eye on though in spring training because he he's a guy that averaged over 35 steals uh, from 2018 to 2019 with an 80% success rate. So big Man, that outfield has been horrible this year. Uh, right. why, not, why not just turn him loose, Pirates? Just do it for all of us. I know I already know the answer to this last one for you, James. Gavin Lux, you're going to be in. Uh, I feel confident saying that, but can you tell us whereabouts you see yourself drafting Gavin Lux next year? Yeah, that's the big question. Uh, where is the ADP going to be? I can guarantee that it'll be that he'll be a value there, um, but you know ADP this year was two thirty eight. I think. I, I mean, I gotta think that the concerns of him being kept in the minors are gone, right? I know. I know he hasn't set the world on fire, but do you, could you see them sending him down again to start next year? 
I mean, if he's just really bad in spring training, yeah, I could see it. Sure, sure. I mean, they're, they're such a good team. They don't really have any. Yeah, you know, it's not like their backs against the wall. They need a spark or anything. Um, well, I think you know, I he won't be going where like Kyle Tucker was going this year. Um, mm-hmm. like if he's going, if he's going around two hundred, I'm definitely in. I mean, there's a chance he could be going around two thirty. Uh-huh. I'd, I'd love that. If he's going around 150, um, then I think you really got to start reading the the tea leaves on how he's doing in spring training and stuff like that. I might still be in if if he's having a good uh, good spring and trending in the right direction. I might still be in at, at 150, but definitely uh, one to pay attention to in spring training. Yeah, I think I'll be following in your footsteps and trying to get Gavin Lux on a few teams next year. Just because, you know, the post-hype thing is so easy to say, but with a guy this talented, like, you want to bet on the post-hype, I think. Uh, and that's not necessarily the case for all hyped players, but I think in Lux's case, uh, he's a special talent, and I do think the it's coming for him eventually. Maybe not next year, but I think you bet on it at, at what we think is going to be the price. James, I think that'll do it for us. It is uh, always good to talk to you. I'm I'm proud to call you a friend, and I look forward to hopefully more of this show in the future. Likewise, Clay. Um, yeah, not not. Sh- oh, I can uh, I can tell you that I will be doing a betting article. Um, oh, nice. I'll be going up on the site on Monday. Uh, for like my postseason pick. baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. uh, so I'll be giving my picks on there. Um, and so keep an eye out for that on Monday, but not exactly sure when we'll be uh, podcasting next, but I, I'm sure we'll we'll put something out there in the next month or two. Um, but yeah, uh, great time doing this again this season as always. Yeah, and I look forward to working closely with you on the you know, draft kit slash mag. Uh, always a fun thing, and I'm always really proud to send that off and see the final product. So uh, we'll we'll be grinding on that soon, man, and I look forward to talking then. Hope you all are well. Thanks for sticking with us all season long here on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast and this Prospect Podcast specifically. Uh, Be well and finish strong this season. Take care.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.